tonight. Um, usually, uh, I, I kind of preach and um, through the book of Mark, not Matthew, but Mark. Um, but for tonight, we're going to, uh, like I said last week, we're, we're going to do something different. Uh, we're going to do a crash course on evangelism. So it's going to be almost like a Sunday school uh, in that we are going to have a little lesson, and afterwards, it's going to be a time of question and answer. Uh, if you remember last week, I, I asked if you guys just bring, you know, some questions that you guys might have, and afterwards, um, we'll probably devote maybe 30 to 40 minutes or so, uh, depending on how much time we have left on, on just answering some of the questions you might have about evangelism. Uh, the idea is, is that, <clears throat> uh, like I said last week about the vision of Join Heirs, is that one of the things I would like our group to grow in uh, is, is in the area of, of evangelism. I know that it's easy for us to come into the church to learn things and, and, and to kind of keep it amongst ourselves, meaning that we talk about it with, amongst other Christians, we encourage one another, these things are good and they're great and godly, uh, but at the same time, we're also here to go make disciples of all nations. Uh, we're here so that we're able to go and tell people about Jesus Christ, uh, so that's why I want to spend a little bit more time tonight on that. Uh, we, I didn't tell this to the elders and Sunday school teachers, but I'll volunteer them in the Q&A as well. With Craig here, Bill and Kathy are probably downstairs, LaVon's here, Joe's here as well. We also have some people from our evangelism team, Zach, Cynthia, um, Nathan as well. There's some of the people that you know, have taken the class, of our evangelism class uh, that are here that can maybe help chime in as well. So that's why this is going to be a little bit more informal, at least especially in the tail end. It's just going to be, uh, as a Bible study, we're just going to learn about how do we grow in the area of evangelism. So uh, I thought about just doing a quick outline for us just to kind of get us, just to get us just equipped a little bit more. Um, and you can call this the evangelist playbook, uh, the evangelist playbook. If you're taking notes, I have four Ps in this evangelist playbook. And as we walk through it, this is just a way to kind of hang your thoughts and to maybe remember for your own self and for maybe for when you're thinking about evangelism, here's just some principles that you can go through. So we'll call this first P the pregame, the pregame. Uh, the evangelist playbook, well, first one's called the pregame. Actually, before, so let me, let me ask the Lord to, uh, let me just pray. Father God, Lord, may you help us uh, grow in the area of evangelism as we look through your word, um, where we can really get all our ideas about evangelism. Help us just develop convictions and things about your word uh, so that we're able to go and tell others about it. But we know we are uh, extremely blessed to be able to receive your word, and by your grace, we are saved. And I pray, Lord, that you are able to uh, work through us. You are the teacher, and allow us to be faithful students of your word so that we can go and faithfully witness and defend the faith, Lord. Be with us this evening. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Okay, so first one. We'll call it the pregame. The pregame. In the pregame, there's going to be four categories. So each of the points all have a different P, and then there's going to be four little subcategories in between that. So the first one for, for pregame, so I don't know if you outline, I probably should have made a, an a over, maybe I'll make, maybe I'll send out a, like, um, the outline later on for you to review, um, just in case you missed anything. The first one we'll call the pregame, and then the first subcategory of that, uh, the thing that you need to do if you want to be a faithful evangelist is to pray. Uh, this is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf the, that utterance may be given to me 
in the opening of my mouth to make known the boldness, the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, as that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You understand that in the book of Ephesians, Paul is one of the prison epistles. He even understands that he needs prayer when it comes to evangelism. A prayer is important because it's because you're really entrusting the Lord uh, as you go through uh, life. And I think I, I, I find personally that the more I pray for evangelism opportunities, the more the Lord allows those opportunities to take place. And in a lot of ways, uh, I also find the inverse is, is true as well, that the, with the least, when, I, when I'm not praying for those opportunities, when I'm, not, when I'm not asking God to give me those opportunities to evangelize, that people, that the Lord doesn't open those doors for me. I think, again, for all of us, that's, it should be, it's very tempting for all of us to not pray for those opportunities to win people to Christ because we're so focused on, you know, I mean, you guys have important things and a lot of things going on in your life, but one of the things that should be crucial and one of the things that should be in the forefront of your mind is that how can I be where I'm at to win people to Christ? In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Paul again writes this, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Again, he's talking about thinking about the relationships that you have, you pray for those opportunities. Later on, verse 6, let your speech always be uh, with grace as though seasoned with salt, so you, may, so you will know how you should respond to each person. Sorry, and then going back up to verse 3, it says, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been imprisoned. And it says that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. So I think the first thing that we do in our pregame is that we pray for opportunities, that we pray that the Lord will give us boldness. And there might be people in your life as well that are believers that are, that are witnessing to other people, and you should be praying for them as well. I know we pray for our missionaries, we pray for our evangelism teams, we pray for all of the different things that goes on in church, and that's one way in which you're part of the team, that you're praying for other people that are doing the work of evangelism if you're not doing it yourselves. But again, you want to pray that the Lord give you opportunity as well to go and share the gospel with other people. So that's the first one, pray. Second, build relationships. Build a relationship. Another pregame thing that you need to do is that you need to build relationships. We know that as Christians that we're called salt and light of the world, which implies that we actually need to go, do, go out into the world and do something with the things that we know. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 this should be familiar to all of us. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And I think that's uh, one application of that verse is that we need to be out in the world. Um, we need to go out and, and be a light. So I know the pandemic made it difficult for a while, but then now that we're back to normal, we should really not take it for granted that we're able to go out and make and build, make and build relationships with people all around us, whether it's at work or whether it's at, at your family or your relatives' homes, wherever it may be. Um, or if you have like a hobby, if you go to the gym, if you um, 
go anywhere that is like a regular place, get to know the people around you. Uh, I, when I was in seminary, there's a restaurant right across the street from where our seminary was, and we had this discipleship meeting there, and the, the leader there, he's one of the seminary professors, he knew all the waiters by name. He would just openly tell them, hey, how, are, how can I be praying for you? Like he remembers them, he, and then they remember him. Every time he walks in, they know that he's going to ask about, uh, how, can I, how, how can I be praying for you? And he'll follow up with those relationships. He'll say, how are you doing? How's the, he'll just bring up all of these different situations. That, you know, and it was good testimony for all of us as seminary students. You know, he, he made himself known in this restaurant. And so people knew him. Every time he walked in, they, like, they, he knows him by name. They know him by name. And he's constantly praying for them. Even though some of these people are not believers. He's, he's willing to just openly say, like, hey, I'm praying for you. Uh, he did not care whether or not people think it's weird. He, even if they're like atheists, he'll still be praying for them. And I think that's something that all of us need to be, that we're not ashamed of the gospel. In the way that we live our lives, in the way we build relationships with other people, we should be willing and boldly proclaim things that we would say to other people. You know, I care for you. How can I be praying for you? It may be jarring at first and even be uncomfortable for you, but in time you'll find that that's a good way to witness to people. Uh, so that's the second one, build relationships. The first in the pregame is pray. Second, the pregame is to build relationships. Third is to build credibility. Third is to build credibility. Mark chapter 9, verses 50. This is, again, a parallel passage to what we learned, what we read earlier about Matthew chapter 5. It says, salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Salt has a unique effect in the world. And Jesus uses this illustration to speak about the purifying effect of salt. It has this unique ability to make things, uh, to give credibility. You know, if you call yourself a Christian, things around you should be better. Uh, when you're at work, um, when you work hard, you're building credibility and trust with those around you. Um, when you choose not to have certain topics or discussions with people, so things that are inappropriate, you're building credibility to the gospel. In the way that you live, it should be really different. It should be drastically different from the world. You're called to be in the world, but not of the world. In fact, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians about, well, we can't leave the planet, so, but, so that we, you know, we're here, we're, we're, we don't belong here, but we are trying to win people to Christ. And one way that you can win people to Christ, or at least have people interested in Christianity, is that you build your credibility. Um, there is a lot of people that claim that Christianities are filled with hypocrites. And the reason why they say that is because they under, even non-believers know certain things about Christianity. But when they see your life that's different from the way that even common Christian culture type things, it makes it harder for them to believe that you actually believe what you claim to believe. So you want to build that credibility with your life. You want to live differently. That means the way that you talk, the way that you spend your free time, the way that you, um, yeah, even the way that, fa the fact that all of you are here on Friday night, that, that's building credibility to those around you that they know that you actually take this Christianity thing seriously. But more importantly, that you take your walk with Christ seriously. Colossians chapter 4. You could just write these things down, but I, I, like, I like to read these things, these verses, so that we can all be, uh, just understand that this is from the scriptures. I read this earlier, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. There's a sense in which Paul understands that the world is 
They have, they're, they're lost in darkness. They don't know their left hand from the right. In our day and age, they don't even know the genders. Um, they're just completely living in a fog of confusion. But when they look at your life, when they see how you're living in a way that is consistent and just different from the world, that builds credibility that there is, uh, there is this God that's real, that's working in your life. Especially for some of you when you have family members who's, who've seen you your whole life. Uh, I think sometimes we tend to kind of let our guards down with people that we're most familiar with. And if you're trying to win your family to Christ, the best way to show them that Christ is real is that, there's, that everything about you is different. The way that you talk to them, the way that you disagree with them, it should be different from the way that you were before you were a Christian. And especially if you have those family members that, have, you know, that knows all your flaws and all, you have an uphill battle because you're at a disadvantage. They remember all of the things that you've done wrong. And you need to conduct yourself with wisdom so you can build credibility so that when you have the opportunity to share the gospel with them, they can tell that you really do trust and believe in Christ Jesus. That credibility with people that are not in the faith is a qualification for elders. Some of you might aspire to eldership one day, and that is a qualification, 1 Timothy 3.7, that we have a good reputation with outsiders, that when people see you, they can tell that your, your life is consistent of what the Bible has to say. So that's the third one. So pray, build a relationship, credibility. There's all another pregame. The fourth one is to build knowledge. Build knowledge. This is what the church, part of the reason why you come to church is that you're learning about God's word. And not just learning about for sake of just head knowledge. It should impact you in the way that you look at Christ, in the way that you live for Christ. And there's also a component in that the more you know about God's word, the more that you could defend the faith. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So, there's, so Peter here is, is, is reminding the believers that you need to be ready. You're, you're, you know things about the Lord, and when the opportunity comes, you want to go and tell people about Jesus Christ. That's where defense here is where we... We actually get the word apologetics. It's defending the faith. And you do that, the, and the only way you could do it is if you build your knowledge of God's word. Every time you go to a Sunday school, every time you're actually preparing for a Sunday school, whatever it may be, you're not just preparing for the sake of preparing, but you need to see that God's word will not return with uh, being void. It means the things that you know about the Lord carry it on with you. And the more, the more you study God's word, the older you're on the faith, the more knowledge you have, that means the more things you should be able to explain and articulate. And this is important because if you, there's going to come a time where some person might surprise you. And by that, in my personal life is whenever I'm dealing with someone that is like a, in some sort of religious cult or they have some sort of worldview thing that I have to kind of defend. And if you don't know God's word well enough, you won't be able to, understand, you won't be able to defend the faith. When a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon tells you that they don't believe in the Trinity, you should have in your mind verses that come to mind and, and be able to articulate why the Bible supports the doctrine of the Trinity. When there's a cult that says that you need to um, get baptized in order to be saved, and they bring that passage in Acts chapter uh, 4, the one that PH preached this past Sunday, or Acts chapter 2, yeah, uh, you should be able to know how to explain that verse. The things that you learn from any, whether it's a podcast or your own devotionals, you should try to internalize it so that you're able to defend the faith. So that's all, this, this is all pregame stuff. 
because it's not actually engaging the person with the gospel. But so, so you pray, you build those relationships, you build credibility, and you continue to build knowledge. That's all pre-game. So that's the first P, pre-game. The second P in the evangelist playbook we're going to call the plays. The plays. So this means areas that you should talk about when you're sharing the gospel. I have four areas here. Um, uh, this is, I, I usually have these, this grid in my mind of what the four categories are when I'm talking to someone about the gospel. So again, this is actually when you're in the game, when you're playing, when you're talking with someone and you're dialoguing about the Christianity or just trying to find an opportunity to, to talk about Christianity, this is usually the four, one of the four categories come up and I, I kind of go from there. The first category is sin. At some point in your conversation with someone, you need to talk to them about sin. Uh, James chapter 2 uh, verses, I mean, you should ha- know some, you should, it should come to mind, a certain verse that comes to mind about like the sinfulness of man. But one verse that comes to my mind is here in James chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Um, this, is, this lets you know that just because a, a person might think they're a good person, they have done all of these right things, but yet the Bible tells us that even the one sin that we've done makes us a vi- a, a, some of the, it seems as though we break, have we broken all the laws. Because sin, the wages of sin, is death. So at some point in your conversation where you're talking with someone, you want to kind of, in your mind, think, how can I talk about good or morality with someone that can lead me into the gospel? Um, So that's a category. At some point, again, like this is a category of sin that you want to talk about. And again, this is not any particular order, but at some point when we talk about sin, eventually you want to talk about Jesus. Uh, What is, who is Jesus? And Jesus, we all know, if you could articulate Jesus as God, and who is he? He's the God-man who came to the world, died for our sins. This is like John 3, 16. And, and this is important because in order for Jesus to make sense to people, why Jesus had to come into the world, at some point you have to share about sin, that there's an urgency of, that we fail, uh, we, fail God, we fail to live up to God's holy standard, and we need someone to save us. And then also in the sin category, we also want to talk about the consequences of sin as well. And for the wage of sin is death, and that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So we talk about sin, we talk about Jesus, then we talk about salvation. This is, this is particularly this is necessary because if you just talk about Jesus and just about who Jesus is without explaining salvation, then there's no, people might just think you're just having some sort of character study. But you have to go beyond just talking about Jesus, but talk about salvation. Why did Jesus come into the world? And who is Jesus? And you explain that Jesus is our Savior, and the salvation is by faith through grace. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, or um, Acts chapter 4, verses 12, which reads, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Uh, so when you think about sharing the gospel, at some point you have, to, you, have, you have to let them know that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. That is trusting in him and him alone. And the last category uh, I usually go is about man and the depravity of man, which again connects to sin as well. And that all of us were made in the image of God and that all of us have fallen short. I think this, the verse that come to mind is like Genesis 6 verse 5 about how in uh, the man's heart is continually doing wickedness, that they've all in their heart. Let me just read it. So, then Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And there's other verses as well that you can probably think about when you want to describe 
the condition of man, that we're hopeless without Christ, and that we need the Lord in order to save us. So those are the four categories. When I'm sharing the gospel, so I'm thinking, where are the openings? Where are the opportunities for me to talk about one of the four categories? Uh, you want to be able to discern in your conversation at which point to go and talk about Jesus or which point to talk about sin. <clears throat> Especially in areas like sin, there's almost like an easy thing to go when they talk about being a good person. Um, if, you, if you're familiar with the way of the master or way of evangelism, I, what I, there's like things I don't like about them, but there's things I, I really appreciate about them. And one of the things I appreciate about them is that they say, you know, are you a good person? Like, how do you, what makes a good person? And they'll list off all of these good things that they've done. And uh, one of the things that they would try to do is use the Ten Commandments to try to show them that if, if God judged you based on the Ten Commandments, you would fail. Um, and that's a way to just, a logical way for people to understand their own sin in light of who God is. Um, so you're, you're just thinking about it. And, or some people you might be talking to that are just broken by their sin. And you don't need to, like, pound on them. It's like, yes, you're, not, you, you're a sinner, yes, but you, let me tell you how bad you are. And you just keep going on and make them feel depressed. But no, at that point, you want to show them the hope that's in Christ. You tell them about why, why Jesus, how Jesus washed away their sin, how once we place our faith in him, we have assurance and know that we can enter into eternity without facing judgment. So whatever it may be, you just, there's just the four categories I, I, that I personally usually go to uh, that just help me find openings to be able to go and share the gospel with them. So that's plays. So pregame, plays. Now principles. Now I only chose four, but there's actually a lot of different principles that we can do or use. Um, but by principle, I mean like different th- ways in which you conduct yourself as you're sharing the gospel with people. Um, there's, there, I don't know if you guys know the West, Westboro Baptist. Uh, it's not like West Portal or anything like that, but Westboro Baptist, these are those, I've seen, I've seen them before in like college campuses that they would, they would basically go around with like picket signs and it would say things like so that a certain kind of group of people go to hell and they're very angry in the way that they share the gospel. Um, and they're like, you know, they're a cult, so they, uh, they're, they're very legalistic. Uh, even though there's some things that they say that are correct, in the, the way that they present Christ just seems so abhorrent that it makes people not want to uh, learn about, more about Jesus. So I'm telling, so these principles are trying, is, is a way in which we can come across as loving and concerned and con, you know, concern for people and that we actually show love towards them. So the first principle is this, in terms of principle is be gracious. Be gracious. When you're sharing the gospel with someone, be gracious. And, and by that I mean that you, when you think, when you're talking with someone, it's going to be, it is an uncomfortable conversation. In fact, the gospel, according to Paul, it's a foolish message. It sounds strange to someone who doesn't understand. But for you as a believer, the gospel makes perfect sense. It's clear. You're, you're, you're regenerate. You're a believer. So when you hear about the gospel, you, you think, of course it makes sense. I love Jesus. Why, don't, why, doesn't it, why isn't it clear to you? And that's because they're, they're unregenerate. They, they don't understand who Christ is. So for us, when we're talking and engaging with people, if they don't know who the the gospel, or if we don't know anything about the gospel, we want to be gracious in the way that we talk. I mentioned First Peter, First Peter chapter five earlier. Let me read it. Or sorry, First Peter chapter three, uh, fifteen. At the end, it said, "Yet with gentleness and reverence." So, in the way that you talk to someone, there should be a level of gentleness. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to just try to argue with them just to win the argument. When you're sharing the gospel, it should be filled with grace because our God is a God of grace. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 
29. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. When you're in the way that you share the gospel, you want to be winsome, you want to be wise in the way that you talk with them, but it has to be filled with grace. Even when you're talking about something like sin, it's not coming from the position of judging them, but you're coming from a position of grace. You're telling them and pleading with him, with whoever, the grace that you've received. It's not that you are some, you have somehow discovered something amazing that they haven't, don't have the intellectual ability to figure out. Rather, it's because of God's grace, God's grace towards you that you want to extend that grace to non-believers. So first, principle is to be gracious. Second, be bold. Be bold. And it's important for us as believers to be bold because we're, again, we're not people. We are the people that actually have the truth. And I think one thing that Zach and I talk about when we think about Jehovah Witnesses is that you got to give them props. Like, they are willing to go out and have these little pamphlets and hand out all of these different things on every, just consistently. Uh, they're bold enough to at least do that, even though they're holding on to a lie. I mean, when I think about the Mormons, you have to give them pre- credit. They're walking around with this little tag, elder so-and-so, and riding their bicycles. It's... Like, it's embarrassing to look at. It's a cringy, but yet they're still willing to do it, and they're doing it for something that is a lie. And for us as Christians, we should be bold in our proclamation of the truth. Psalm 119, verse 46, this is, the psalm is talking about his own life. He says, I will, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. When the Lord provides an opportunity for you from someone that is maybe a coworker or a classmate, when you see that opportunity, you need to take it. You can't be like, oh, I'm too afraid. That's, that's, that's not how Christians are supposed to operate. Because the question is, if you're afraid, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of this person not wanting to be friends with you? Are you afraid this person is going to persecute you? And all those things might be true. But as believers, we should not be afraid because for us, even if they were to kill us, it's, it's perfectly fine because we know what happens to us at the end. You know, Philippians tells us to, to live as Christ and to die is gain. So even if they did the worst possible thing to us, it is fine. Because for us, we get, we get Christ. But if not, we have to live another day to be a representative of Jesus Christ. So be bold in the way that you go and proclaim the gospel. Be bold. Uh, so be gracious, be bold. Our third one, be wise. And again, this is similar to the first point in that when I say wise here, I mean that like, sometimes people are going to ask you life questions. And you can actually take these moments to find biblical wisdom and, and, and share it with them. Because uh, if God's word is true and, and it applies to everything in this world, that means God's word is going to be true even if, if the person believes it or not. So when you think about sharing the gospel, there's, there's moments that you just need to know when to listen. And there's moments where you need to learn when to speak. You want to be wise uh, to know you, the, the more you understand, the easier it is for you to be understood. So when you're talking with someone and you're sharing the gospel, ask questions. That's, uh, ask them why they believe certain things. Ha- have them define certain terms. And that's a wise way to share the gospel as opposed to presu- assuming something about them and then, at- and then attacking them. Ask them what do they mean about you know, evolution or what do they mean about the Bible is filled with errors or what do you, they mean when they say the Bible's filled with contradictions? That's, the, that's a very wise way to approach the conversation. That's why Jesus said, be, be cunning as serpents and gentle as doves. Especially in, that's in context of, of being you know, evangelists. When we think about talking to someone, be 
wise as a serpent. So be gracious, be bold, be wise, be truthful. And the last one is be truthful. Don't shy away when, in, when people ask you hard questions about verses that might be difficult or even uh, topics that might be controversial. If you have the Bible knowledge, you need to be truthful about what you're saying. So I think in a lot of evangelicalism, there's a compromise in that, oh, well, if this Muslim is really sincere about their faith, then you know, God will understand and they'll just come to saving faith. That's not speaking the truth and that's not loving Speaking the truth is talking to a Muslim person, saying, if you continue to hold on to this view, if you hold on to the, the, the words of the Quran, you're going to go to hell. And, it's, and it sounds offensive, but if you love that person, you're willing to speak the truth in love. No matter what the outcome may be, you know that before the Lord, you need to always speak the truth. Don't give people this false assurance that's, that's not from God's word. Tell them the truth. Express this genuine concern that, if they reject the truth of the gospel, that the Bible, whether you, even if you don't believe it, the Bible is going to be true, and you're going to feel the consequences of it. You may not believe it now, but one day you will, because reality will set in. The truth of Scripture will come to pass, and you want to go and warn people about those things, because you, we are the people of truth, and we need to be truth-tellers. So that's all in the category of principles. So when we talk about pre-games, we talk about the plays, Talk about general principles, and now post-game. Post-game. So what do you do? Really, the outline of post-game is the same as the pre-game. You want to pray for those people. After sharing the gospel with someone, you want to pray for them. You want to, you want to think about them and pray for them, even, trying, even asking God for another opportunity. Pray for their salvation, of course, but if they don't become a believer, at that time, just continue praying for them and pray for them more, that the Lord will open up more doors for you to minister to that one particular person or group or whoever you're trying to evangelize to, continue praying for them. Pray without ceasing. There's, been a, there's a quote that I heard that said, more, pr- uh, more prayer, more power, no prayer, no power. And I, th- and I like that. Is if you trust that part of prayer is, praying is not just like, yeah, there's an aspect where you commune with the Lord, but you're asking and pleading with the Lord to intervene in the life of this person. And that's what you want to do. You want to pray for them after the evangelism encounter. Um, Second, so continue. So again, if this is the same outline as the pregame one, but instead of just building relationship, but continue the relationship. If the Lord allows that that person is still in your life, continue to build those relationships. When they know that you share the gospel with them once, they know that at some point they might come again, and it's okay to continue to, to live out the gospel before them and build that relationship with them in hopes that that opportunity will come again so you can share with them. And the third one, continue to build credibility. Um, once you share the gospel with them, you kind of expose yourself like, okay, I'm a Christian. And now they are going to look at your life with a little bit more intentionality. But that's okay. We're called to be a light in the world so that we want to invite people into our lives and see the goodness of the Lord. Not that that has anything to do with us, but like God's goodness and we're reflecting Jesus Christ. We want to look like Christ. And then last one, continue to build your knowledge. Uh, one of the things that we do in our evangelism uh, on Sundays after the door to door. We I feel like we have a little debrief. It's kind of like when sports team watch the game again, like they rewatch tapes. You think about what works and what doesn't work, how you can improve, or what things that we said that was in- interesting, and how we can learn from that. That's good, and that's kind of the idea. When every time you evangelize, you want to have this moment of reflection. Think about where and what ways can you 
go and share the gospel with people and, or the next time you share the gospel with someone, how you can improve. Especially if you're talking with different like, cults or, or even different family members, non-believers, you're, you're thinking about what did I, what, how can I do better to make the gospel clearer? Or what, what were some things that they said that I didn't understand that I need to study up on? Uh, and whatever uh, category it may be, uh, you want to continue to build that knowledge. Uh, a faithful evangelist is a faithful student of God's word. And they're always trying to learn more about God's word so that they can be uh, proclaimers of God's word in a way that's faithful and accurate. So that's the evangelist playbook. You see the pregame, the plays, the postgames, the principles. Now, now that you have this, and again, this is a crash course, I understand you're not going to be able to. I mean, I, I encourage you guys to go through this outline, read it, and pray, read through it, pray through it, um, so that you can go in the game. You know, there's no point in you having this playbook if you're not going to go and do evangelism. In our church, we do, have, uh, we do have our evangelism team on Sunday. In fact, they're meeting this Sunday. Uh, they're going out this Sunday. If you're interested, Zach's here. You can uh, talk with him. He can uh, give you more information on that. But when you think about people in your life that you want to share the gospel to, use, these princi- use this playbook. Think about how you can go and share the gospel with people. And I hope that you go and, like all of us, we, we need to grow in this area because that's why we're here. That's why the Lord has kept us here, to be able to be witnesses of the gospel and tell people about the Lord. In a sense, we're in a rescue mission. So if we think in that way, that we're here to win people to Christ, then I hope that gives us this urgency that Pastor Henry was, was talking about on Sunday. When you think about the urgency of the gospel, that people are in every second of the day, there's uh, people entering into eternity, and we are people to have the, the good news that, that we should be willing to go and tell everyone that we encounter of the gospel. So we have about maybe 30 minutes or so. And we, again, like I mentioned, we have some of our elders here, Sunday school teachers, evangelists, evangelism class teachers here as well. Any questions you might have about evangelism? You can ask anything. And I will either defer it to Bill or Craig or Joe, or Joe and LaVon, or I'll answer it. <laughs> but yeah, any questions you guys have? There are no, there's no such thing as a dumb question. So, yeah, this is a safe space for you to ask any questions you like. Daniel? Yeah. That might be intimidating for some people and might be okay with others. It just depends on who you're talking to and what time of the day it is. Uh, and that's crucial. Uh, one time I did exactly that. Uh, I was wearing like a hoodie and like, you know, it was like, it was nights. I was wearing a hoodie and I ran up to someone and was like, hey, what happens to you? Do you know what happens to you when, you're di- when you die tonight? And that person freaked out, like thinking I was going to kill <laughs> So. Dude, you just have to be, this is where the wisdom comes in. Like, it's okay, like, maybe that might, that, I mean, if it might work for some people, I don't want to say absolutely no, but you want to be wise. Like, you want, you want to, especially, I know you're, if you're on a bus, you have limited amount of time, so maybe the first thing you do is just is try to just get the conversation going quickly. Or at least let the person know that you exist. Like, not that you're just some person randomly just appear out of nowhere and asking them, like, yeah. Yeah, and, sure, um, yeah, I think that's okay. Other questions? What about, this the floor is really for you guys. That was a good question, though. 
Gracias. Right. So you might have to remind me of both the questions in a sec. But the first question, I think you said, what about someone, like a family member you haven't heard, you haven't really talked to in a while, how do you just kind of cold contact with them? I think there's two ways that comes to mind. One is that you actually start building those relationships. So you make it intention to go and hang out with them once a month or once a quarter. Just, just, just do it. Like, hey, I want to have lunch with you. I, I miss you. I want to hang. I want to see what's going on in your life. You then that's kind of like slowly building that relationship so that you can share the gospel. Um, personally, with me, I've actually just you know when when Kelly and I got married, I, I did the cold kind of evangelism thing with some of her family members. Like, hey, we're married. Uh, we're family now. So here you go. I just like kind of just be willing to go and do it. And 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 afterwards, it's kind of like investing in the relationship. So like, I share the gospel, and then I want to keep building those relationships in hopes to have another opportunity. Um, that's, how, that's how I would go about it. Um, and I think that's a key thing is that they look at your life and they see your good works. So when you're willing to take time to go and share the gospel with them and like, build those relationships with, your, with family members, that, that makes you stand out. Um, and at least even in your own conscience, you know that you did all that you can. Uh, as opposed to, I... like. I, I was always afraid, or oh, I wish I didn't have enough time. But if you make the time, then at the end of the end of your life, you can look back and say, "I did the best that I can to try to win that person to Christ." Your second question is about someone that you you share the gospel with regularly, and they're not interested. That uh, you could send Tim to go. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Well, that might work if you know family member. But that's the one that's a little bit harder when they say like, "Stop talking to me about it." Um, and I think there there's a level where you want to respect that. Like you don't want to keep pushing for sake of like just to be argumentative with them so i would say that pray for the lord to give them yeah to give you opportunity even if it means that you pray for a trial in their life like that, so that when you're watching them and these and you see that they're going through something hard then you need you want to be the first responder to care for them um, that you're just not some christian person trying to win them to come to your church for sake of whatever reason but that you have a genuine love and concern for them um, we've had people in the church that said, like, you know, they, they, their families rejected the gospel their whole lives, and they were saved almost like a thief on the cross moment, like the last several days or weeks of their lives. And, you know, I think that's great. And, and you have to think the long term, like, how can I continue to build this relationship so that they can see Christ? And I think for a lot of us, for a lot of our family members, we might be the only Christians that they know. Um, so you want to constantly think about ways, tactfully and lovingly, like, intervene, uh, be part of their life so that you can share the gospel with them. Craig? How do you kind of, well, well, <laughs> all of a sudden and out of the blue, right, start sharing the gospel? Right. Right. I think, I think it's okay to kind of preface it and just say, hey, you know, it's, you know, the Holy Spirit's been laying on my heart. 
you know, this topic, and I, I you know, and I want to share it with you, or I want to kind of explore kind of, you know, your belief, your kind of worldview, you know, what do you, you know, believe about, you know, Jesus, God, sin, you know, salvation. Right. Uh, so that, that's how, I, I think that's how you, that was kind of your first question, and so, yeah. Thanks for the clarification. Sure. Feels good to have elders around to help me. Um, Piper had a, um, a testimony about that, too, where he said he had a neighbor that he, he, like, that he, they know that he's a pastor, but he, for like 10 years, didn't share the gospel with them. And one, one day, he was praying with his, he had a Bible study prayer group in his church, in his house, from his church in his house, and they were like talking about evangelism, and he felt convicted that he, there's a guy that I know for 10 years that I haven't really talked to, and he just went over to his house one day, and it's like, you know I'm a pastor, and I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. And then the guy was like, okay. And he's like, can I give you one of my books? And you can read it, and we can talk. And then he just did that. And that, and that was like a way for him to kind of build that relationship. It was like, it was awkward because, you know, you, here, read a book that I've written that, you know, about your sin. You know? um, but he did it. And, and he said that it was just weighing on his heart that this guy that lived with, you know, next to him for so long that he didn't, you know, didn't have any gospel opportunity with him. And it wasn't like he was afraid. He just, I mean, I guess he was afraid, but he just didn't seize the moment to go and talk with the guy. So I think Craig was right, too. Like, if you can tell, oh, that's why I made that Piper connection. Because Piper did say to that guy that he's been praying for him. Like, I've been praying for you. I'm, I've been wanting to talk to you about something very important to me and that, that you need to know. And then that's where he went to go and share the gospel with him. So uh, one time at the TFH church, there was a, a guest pastor, Matt Oldhoff, and he was saying that one day he was at a, uh, one of those Chili's places, like a restaurant, mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit, he felt convicting him to yell across the room at a guy that he'd known like 10 or 15 years before, mm -hmm. and he didn't want to do it, uh -huh. but the Holy Spirit was like, just say hi to that guy, and the guy even thought, well, that guy's like way saved. He's already a Christian. Like, it's not a, why are you? But he said, hey, whatever, called the guy. They talked. Oh, have you been still preaching? Yeah, I'm still preaching. He's a pastor. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was, an hour later when he's leaving the restaurant, a little old lady approached him and was like, hey, I heard you say something about preaching or something. And Mm -hmm. whatever and she yeah. started asking him questions yeah. she's like so you, you you talked about the bible or something once and he was like yeah i'm a pastor or whatever or whatever it was yeah she asked about his church mm -hmm. he told her where the church was next thing and this lady's like 80 something years old she went to the church and became a believer for the first time in her life like a week later and then she did happen to pass away just a few months after that but like it was because he listened to the Holy Spirit about something seemingly unrelated, yeah. but he had the opportunity to just share a little bit about where the church was, not even like the, the gospel presentation. She heard that yeah. a week or two later. Yeah. But I just, I just thought that was really encouraging because it's one of those things where it's, it's not directly related to your game plan of evangelism, mm -hmm. and yeah. it felt show-offy too, right, to say over across the thing like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still preaching, you know, whatever, but yeah. I just thought that was really encouraging, and that just popped into my head, so I figured that could encouraging yeah. to someone out there right now thank you no thanks for sharing that uh i did that something similar in college i was like meeting with someone at a panera bread and then we were talking about some like our own lives then randomly i would just like talk very loud he and i just like decided to raise our voices to talk about the jesus 
Just like, and we're in the middle of the restaurant. We're like, and Christ did what? Oh, he died for me. We don't know who, like, you know, that, I mean, that's what the parable of the sower is like, right? Just sow the seed, and hopefully someone gets it, and you don't know who, who gets saved, and, you know, that's cool. But, again, this is a principle. does not go and do likewise exactly. It might work in some circumstances. You might be called to be like a John the Baptist and, like, scream out in the wilderness, and people might get saved. But just understand that, like, like, what works for one may not work for another person. I just want to kind of balance that out a little bit. Reggie? Can you give some examples of how, like, someone's just, you're just talking with a friend, and then you just insert the gospel? Um, so I'm trying to think. In, I think it's easier for me because I'm a pastor. <laughs> but so I just tell them I'm a pastor, and then, like, naturally it comes to it. But recently, like, my, my daughter has, I mean, she's joined soccer, and one of the things that Kelly and I were trying to do in the fall was to be very intentional with the parents. Um, so there was one lady, she was, she was super liberal, I can tell, because of her shirt. She was like this you know, very left-wing you know, cable news person on her shirt. And I just started talking to her, and um, yeah, I just asked about her life and you know, what is, which one is her kid or grandkid. It was a grandkid. And she, you know, we just talked about her life. And then she apparently works in San Francisco. I said, oh, that's where my church is. And, she, and then it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, but it was a cool conversation because then we, she, she said she works in San Francisco and she works for the sit, like, city hall. And she talked about like her job was to help people pass the bar exam, like for judges and stuff like that. And I, so that was kind of like my way in because like, like I said, with the, the grid, like that's like sin. We could talk about something, we have something in common. Like we both believe that there's a right and wrong. And from there, we kind of went into talking about like, yeah, our, like, what do you think about the homeless issue? And then she's like, oh, I see the homeless encampments all over because she works downtown. So, like, so what do you think? Is it like troubling? Does it bother you? And she's like conflicted by it because she wants to be compassionate, but she understands like this is not good behavior. People are just going all over the place. And then that's where I kind of flipped it and said, yeah, as a pastor, I have compassion for them too. And here's how I would like, like this is what I would tell them that they don't have to have this way, but then that's where I kind of share the gospel. So kind of indirectly, like having something that we have in common to talk about and then using that as a way to share the gospel, not directly to her, but just like I'm sharing the whole gospel with her as I'm you know, giving her my plan, basically. Uh, and that's, that's just a way, and, and at the end, like, like I told her, like I'm that conservative person that that lady in your shirt really hates. But at the end, she was like, you know, this is a really nice conversation. She was, you know, we, I think her grandkids stayed in the team for a while <laughs> throughout the whole season. It was cool. It was just, we, we just dialogued and... Um, and that was it. You just want to build those relationships. And by God's grace, and it, as this person was telling me, I was praying that the Lord will give those opportunities for me to, like, invite them to church or something, you know, like, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. And I think in that season in particular, Kelly did a good job in trying inviting the kids to, like, Fall Fest. So we made these little packets and just, like, gave them out. You know, like, if they want to come, you know, we would love to have them. So, so yeah, things like that. Like, you just have conversations at some point, you can kind of pivot towards it in a way that is, it's not like attacking the person, but you're, well, in my case, I was like attacking a problem that she and I both agree upon is a problem. But our solutions might be different. She's like thinking about policies or whatever. I'm thinking about, no, that like we believe that the Holy Spirit can change the person when they receive Christ, that they are made the image of God, so there's value to them. Um, so that's one way that I would do it. Um, when it comes to like our Sundays, uh, when we go door to door, I'm very blunt of why I'm there. Like, I'm a pastor. I'm a church down here. I want to tell you about Jesus. And then, like, door closed or they want to continue. <laughs> uh, it's, one of the, it's one of the two responses. 
or they don't answer the door at all. Um, but yeah, it really depends on who I'm talking to. Uh, and sometimes I have a, a, like a longer runway to kind of build that connection with them. Other times it's just like, okay, here we go. Let's go share the gospel. Does that help in terms of giving an example? Uh, so we'll go from Andrew, Nathan, to Levon. I think to continue with uh, Reggie's questions, more so of like, how about like your close friends, like people you've known for a while, but you've never really shared the gospel with them? Like, what are some launching points to kind of introduce that? So in seminary, they, t they told us for the evangelism class that you have to pray for someone the entire semester, and at some point you share the gospel with them. And for me, it was all my high a lot of my high school friends, we were in the Christian church together and they'd like end up denying the faith so for one guy that was in LA I just said hey let's have I, we're in LA I've been in LA for so long I haven't got a chance to catch up let's go and ha hang out and we did and then I, I was like you know the reason why when I meet with you aside from just checking in on you uh, is I really want to you know talk to you like where are you at now because you know they, they believe at one point they denied the faith and then um, so it's not exactly in terms of someone I have, have zero contact with um, but I think in the past I think I'm just, I'm just very transparent. Like, I, there's something that I really want to tell you, or, or I would try to get the conversation going, similar to like the last conversation that would lead to that. Um, so there's certain family members where I'll just say, like, like, uh, what, what do you think happens after you die? And then that helps me, and so it gives me intel on what they think. And from there, I ask them, can I share with you what the Bible teaches? So some, everyone has some sort of you know, presupposition where they're, they're like. You know, an atheist or something, they'll say, like, oh, nothing happens. Like, okay, that's, why do you think nothing happens? And this is, again, try, try to understand where they're coming from, and then th that's when you go and share the gospel. So that's kind of how I would go about it. Bill, Craig, any thoughts? Since, since there's such a wide range of kind of relationships and, and the kind of those, those ends or those runways, so it's hard to kind of give a, a kind of a, a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, for, like, you know, kind of close friends that you know well, you can always ask, you know, how they're doing just in their life. You know, what struggles do they have? Um, or, in, you know, what, you know, do they foresee kind of their life kind of, you know, moving forward? Um, and then that's your end to, to share the hope that we have in Christ. And, and, and that, you know, when we face struggles, you know, we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have, you know, a, a hope that's kind of beyond kind of our, our earthly lives. You know, that, that's kind of your end with kind of close friends that you know well. Yeah. But, but I, I think it is very much kind of individualistic. And, I mean, you have to kind of gauge the situation. Yeah. But, yeah, if you have that kind of that grid or this list of, of you know, topics to bring up and kind of sneak in and then and then you can, you know, eventually kind of get to the gospel message. You know, so, so I, I like the sin, nature of man, Christ, salvation, and even, you know, God, you know, and or even kind of scripture. Right? I mean, those are also ends too as well. So. Yeah. Bill, any thoughts? So, so, um, um, yeah, there's different opportunities. I, I, um, I had the privilege of doing a eulogy last Saturday. Um, at my, one of my army friends um, passed away, and uh, I was one of several eulogies. And um, you know, it was a he was a Buddhist, and, and you know, I, I never 
you know, I, I, he never, you know, through all those experiences, uh, all those years that we were in the same unit, um, um, you know, I have to admit, I never shared the gospel with him. Um, so, but uh, at the eulogy, um, as you know, I, I, I asked Pastor, uh, they asked me to, to do the eulogy when, when past, during the staff meeting. So Pastor Roger and Pastor Ray uh, kind of gave me some suggestions. But, um, but during the eulogy, I, you know, I was in, in a Buddhist church and um, Buddhist temple. I, they don't really have church, but they called it a church. And so I did use, I did, you know, use scripture in, in my eulogy. In Ecclesiastes? No, I used oh. John, John 15, 13. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I did, you know, greater love has no man than this, that someone give up his life for his friend. And, um, but, but, so there's, but, but, you know, I, I couldn't present, of course I couldn't present the full gospel. Miles, he wouldn't do that. But, but, you know, I put, put it out there anyway. So there are sometimes opportunities to, to put, the word of God into different situations. Um, uh, at least I think I think the family um, appreciated. Uh, you know, maybe something will come of it. I don't know. You know, yeah. so um, uh, so so it's different venues, right? Different situations. Yeah. Uh, even if you don't expect to hear Bible at a Buddhist church, you know, a Buddhist temple. Yeah. So there's different opportunities to to. Uh, at least, at least, point people towards Jesus Christ. I, you know, because we do live in a um, increasingly secular world, um, or, uh, or as another another way you could put it, is an increasingly diverse world. Where, where um, you know, uh, Christianity is no longer necessarily the dominant uh, influence in in the United States. Um, and uh, uh, so, so I think it's more of a challenge. But I think uh, if we're not the ones that's presenting the gospel, or at least point people towards Jesus Christ, or even uh, live the way that uh, Christians are supposed to live, I, I think sometimes it doesn't come across. Um, and uh, um, and uh, you know, I was thinking about that. death has has been on my mind a lot lately because of my friend. You know, he's younger than me, and. Uh, um, and so, so um, you know, it, it's something that um, the time is is so short. Uh, so, I, and I feel really challenged about this actually, because <laughs> oh, okay. there's another friend of mine who's uh, who, who I keep in pretty good contact with from my army days. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, I think there's a common thread in all our responses that you want to build those relationships uh, or maintain those relationships, uh, whether it's a lifetime thing or like from some career or just personal life that you're. You want to maintain those things and keep building the relationship to share the gospel with them. Uh, Nathan, I think that's next. So when it comes to sharing the gospel, uh, what advice would you have to, toward witnessing to someone who, uh, who was a believer at one point, but at, at some point who ended up... To, but at some point in their lives, end up denying the faith. So to give a to give a specific example, this happened to me like to me and like to me and Raymond when we were witnessing in the St. Francis Wood neighborhood, and mm -hmm. uh, we knocked on. The, we had like one gospel conversation with this one man who claimed to be who was a Christian at one point, but some stuff came up, and he ended up like becoming Buddhist or Hindu, Hindu along the line, or like somewhere between Buddhist or Hinduism along the line, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and like and like the conversation we ended up having. And as soon as he, like, mentioned Jesus, that was, like, a big starting point we had in our conversation. But, like, during that point, I just ended up throwing a, lot, a bunch of scripture verses at him, like, 2 Timothy 3.16. And, like, 
one of the things that kind of let me stumped was like saying that like, oh, you can like rewrite the entire Bible and an angel won't stop you. Like, how do you refute arguments like that? Okay, so there's like two questions. One is about how do you share the gospel with someone that like used to believe or deny, it? and then the other one is about angels. Is that that left me kind of stumped was, like, one of the things he said to me that left me really stumped was, like, oh, you can rewrite the Bible, and, like, an angel, like, an angel won't be able to stop you. Like, I mean, like, I don't know what's going on in his mind, but, like, I lit <laughs> at that moment, I literally had no idea how to refute his argument there. I see. Um, so, first question is about someone who's denying or struggling with faith. So, Here's something I've, I've been working in my mind about the word apostasy. Like, what, does, what is an apostate? And, and the reason why I, I'm thinking about this recently was because when you think the whole thing about, like, Josh Harris and stuff, one of his friends was my professor in the seminary, and they asked him that question. Like, what about your friend Josh Harris? Is he apostate? And he said something that I think helped me change, change my view a little bit what, what the term apostate. He said that his friend, Josh Harris, an apostate is someone that is denied the faith and has entered into eternity without the faith. So is Josh Harris an apostate? He said, we don't know until he's dead. Because right now he could, like, at any point he could repent. And then he's, like, now welcome back into the fellowship and into the church and you're back into the family of Christ. So I've, I've changed my view from, like, oh, the person denied the faith that there's no hope for them to, like, you know, it's possible that they could repent at the very end. In that case, we wouldn't say that he was, like, a former apostate, but that he was just either, like, a not a believer the whole time or that he was just... A, like a prodigal son that returned at the very end. Jude um, chapter, well, there's only one chapter, Jude 22, it says, And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And, and, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by flesh. So it seems like here, in verse 22, is that thing is I have mercy on some who are doubting. Whether there's a, someone that denied the faith because of whatever reason, there's a, there, in the way that we communicate with them, there should be a level of, like, mercy. Like, we're not trying to make them feel bad for denying the faith or make them feel guilty. But there's a, there should be a compassion in our heart to kind of talk with them and reason from Scripture. Your second question is, like, I'm going to just kind of step broadly instead of, instead of answering that particular question. I'll say, like, what happens if you, someone asks you a question that you don't know how to answer? Like, just, it doesn't necessarily have to be about, like, second, like whether you write a Bible verse and angel can't stop you. I'll just answer it this way. Um, when, you ha when you're in doubt, it's okay to admit that you don't know the answer to it. Um, this happens to me all the time when there's a new cult. When they'll say, they're like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're saying. Like, how, and they'll bring some verse and connect to some other verse. Uh, okay, time out. Let's go back to the first verse and talk about this in this context. Um, and that happens to me whenever there's a new cult. I remember in college when there was like a this new mother god cult. It's like this Korean lady. I was like, okay, I don't know who this lady is. Uh, what are you talking about? What are you and he, They would try to use all these verses. And a whole bunch of people actually became, like, joined that cult because they had no idea. They, they felt stumped about the argument. And then instead of just, you know, pausing and then like, okay, let's, we think about this. They just conceded. It's like, okay, now you're right. I'm going to join your cult. Um, if there's ever an argument that you don't know how to answer, that's where you want to go back to the principle about gaining knowledge again. Uh, so when, you, uh, when the person asks you that question, you can say, okay, that's a good question. Let me, follow, let me think about it and follow up with you. And think about it some more and find a way to um, defend or you know, refute that argument. Because there is an answer even to that question, but I'm not going to use that right now because I want you to try to le uh, learn from it. Figure it out. And you know, we'll help you with that. But it's a good challenge for you to try to grow your knowledge of God's word. So I'm going to give, give Levon a chance to answer or ask a question. So go down that way.
share us your wisdom, Levi. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't really know if it's so much wisdom as much as it, it's something we all know. Um, so when it comes to like our friends or our family, um, I think sometimes we, we think that sharing the gospel is like you're, you're turning on a switch. All of a sudden, like you need to speak differently or whatever. But I think if you just, in a sense, speak freely and be honest, like, do you pray before your meals when unbelievers aren't around? Do you do that when they are? Um, what did you do on Sunday? Like, just talk to them about your life. And typically, if the person's actually friendly toward you, they're interested in you, they'll be, they'll be somewhat interested or, like, they'll, they'll ask follow-up questions. Um, so, like, I don't know. That's kind of helped me just as, like, I walk around my neighborhood for whatever reason. Like, people think I'm a friendly guy, and so they'll start talking <laughs> to me. You are a friendly guy, Levi. And, um, <laughs> well, just by looking at me, they're like, oh, he looks like a friendly guy. And I've had yeah, again, tons of conversations like <laughs> with people just because I told them how my wife and I met and where we met, and that's led into the gospel. You know, so it's just, I think, just speak about God as if you believe he's real and he's an actual, like everything else relates to him. It's not that you have to find something that relates to him, if that makes sense. Um, I think the other thing... Um, and by the way, that is a struggle. I think, like, we, we also know, like, what is strictly a biblical concept. And so we kind of censor ourselves. And that's why it's hard. Because we know that these things could be touchy for people. And I actually sense that there is a spiritual stronghold that's kind of spreading over the land that's making us go into the closet where we don't want to be honest and open because um, you don't have to be a jerk in order to share the gospel or even to refute someone. You can just tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think another thing is like when it comes to talking with someone, maybe you do have someone uh, challenging you on uh, how do you know that the Bible is true or whatever. You can tell them what you know, and that is actually true, but just be aware that it may not be um, satisfactory to them. And that's okay. Just because they don't accept your answer doesn't mean that you need a new one. And so don't make it, don't, don't feel pressured to be more fine sounding in your answer or to look for something new. It's like, no, I told you the answer last time and you still haven't accepted it, basically. Yeah, that's good. And that's a good reminder that, you know, some people, we, you know, the Bible tells us that you know, some people sow the seed, some people water, but it's only God that causes the growth. So whoever we're sharing the gospel with, it's not, our responsibility is just to go share the gospel, but it's not our job to convert the person. Going back to Nathan's first question about, you know, what happens if you come across a person who was once a purported, you know, believer or Christian and kind of fallen away, I think it's important to find out that person's kind of situation right, and, and kind of what led them to kind of fall away. You know, very often, it, I mean, there's many common reasons. You know, one is maybe unrepentant sin. You know, maybe they just weren't a believer in the first place. You know, second, maybe they didn't have, you know, the Lord God and Christ as a priority in their lives. 
and and they were kind of led astray and kind of led you know tempted you know or maybe three they were like disconnected from a church body um and there was another that i that had come across oh maybe they didn't have a quite i mean maybe they um maybe it was like a heart issue or an emotional issue right it's like you know somebody could say oh you know why did god allow my loved one to pass away you know in this tragic accident and then you know they, they so they become you know disappointed with God, you know, and, and maybe the, there it may be kind of like an intellectual slash kind of heart where they didn't quite have they didn't have the correct understanding of, of God's kind of sovereignty and His providence, and and so you know that that kind of flipped the switch in them. So I think it's important to kind of find out you know what that person's situation is because then how you respond will will, will be different you know based on the person's situation. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to give like a seven-minute warning at this point. So, Zach, uh, what's your question? Or, yes, we'll wait for the mic. Yeah, uh, any tips on sharing the gospel with someone in, say, four to five minutes or less? Share the gospel in four or five minutes or less? What? what? Four, four to five minutes or less. Say you, you run into someone, you're waiting on a train or a bus at the bus stop and you've yeah. got maybe two or three minutes until that thing gets there. Yeah, I would just, you're using that grid that I said, I just go through all four very quickly. Give a minute to each of them, I guess, if you have four or five minutes. So you could uh, do it that quickly. I mean, a few weeks ago, I had, or I don't know, was it a few days ago. I mean, this happens whenever, whenever I have to do visitations. You know, like, I only have a certain amount of time with them before and I just will just tell them, like, what is necessary that uh, they are right now um, before God, an enemy of God because of their sin. And if they died right now, that they would go into eternal judgment. But by God's grace, they have this moment now to go and place their faith in Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life for them. Uh, and in every sense of the word, he fulfilled the law in ways that we cannot. And he died in our place, absorbing the entire wrath of God that was meant for you and I and rose again three days later. And for us, it's not about working our way to heaven, but by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And if you believe that, at this moment, you can have eternal life. So that's like how I would go about it. And you know, even 2 Corinthians, like now is a day of salvation. Like you have, you have to believe this now, that there's no tomorrow kind of thing. So that's generally, I mean, I, I kind of covered all four of the categories in that 90 seconds, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, but I, if you have more time, you could elaborate more on that. Okay, yeah, that works. Um, the elaboration part maybe is, because I can say that, mm -hmm. but uh, to Bill's point, like we live in, about living in an increasingly secular world, I have run into situations where it, it kind of goes down like that. I'll yeah. just lay it out. The four points are really simple, and they're just like, what? Yeah. Like salvation, like cross, who, what? And mm -hmm. so, like, we're all nodding. Like, we know what that means, but you may be talking to Joe Schmo on the street or whatever, and he has no idea what any that's not meaningful to him right um then of course you get to oh well you have to unpack this and that but then you only have you know three or four minutes right? right so he has this information it's almost like having a book full of equations and like they mean things but you you don't know what they mean you don't know how to read those yeah so i think that's why you want to use this like simplified terms mm -hmm. um you don't want to use like propitiation and yeah. substitutionary atonement they'll be like what are you talking about? Just, that's what, I mean, even in, the, in that 90 seconds I did, I, I tried, I don't think I use any major big words, just like, like 
second grade language kind of thing because that's how far my English can go. <laughs> but, you know, like you, just, you want to just try to make it as simple as possible, knowing that the audience probably have no idea where you're, they have no background. Or even if they do, they just like, it's just keep it the lowest common denominator so that people can kind of understand what the gospel is about. I mean, that's why it's interesting what Jesus said about like children can understand the gospel. It's just so deep that like kids can go into the gospel and deep enough where people, older people can dr- get drowned into it. That's just amazing how the God, God's word works. Um, that little kids can understand. Um, so if you just use simple words, that would be very helpful. It's just interesting. Like, like I mean, you, you already know, but it's like if you have a gospel track, yeah. and you said that you only have three minutes, so that's your time limit. So I think like kind of what Pastor Ray did, like you can't expand on that in that moment. And so I think being able to just iterate the main points as, as uh, he suggested. Um, and I, I know that I'm, I'm kind of out of practice now, but um, I did have it to a point where I could share the gospel within a minute and a half, uh, just like the bullet points. And I think just practicing that, just having like a little script in your mind so that when that time comes, you can share it or like adapt it as needed. Questions? These are good questions, by the way. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, well, if you have any other questions, feel free to talk with you know myself, uh, Craig, Bill, or Joe Levine, our Sunday school teachers, or evangelism team. Um, just a quick reminder again, some of our evangelism outreach type things we have in this church, we have Care Portal. Uh, if you're interested in that, that's um, ministering to people. Ideally, it's, you know, people around our area who have, you know, urgent need, and it's just a, a way for us to kind of build relationships with them. It's kind of like the principle about living light in, in the fallen world, in a very dark world, that when they see Christians willing to make sacrifices and um, give things for them, it's, it's a testament to God's kindness as well. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, says the kindness of the Lord is what leads to repentance. And although even in things like, something like door-to-door or care portal, we may not be able to share the gospel all the way, but at least people should know that we're here and we're there for them if they need anything. Uh, we have our evangelism uh, that meets once a month, uh, door-to-door. Uh, and that, again, that's just our way to get let the people around us know that we are there for them. Um, and, you know, uh, somewhere along the line, we have fostering as well. Uh, some of our, uh, you know, Reggie was one of the people that, fostered and adopted, and we have other families that are thinking about fostering as well. If you want to be part of those area, those things of evangelism or outreach, um, yeah, please let me know. I would love to get you plugged in. Uh, but yeah, reminder for uh, the evangelism team on Sunday, they're going to go out, again, 2 o'clock, right? Or 1.30, 1.30, okay, and lunch provided, snacks, okay, snacks provided, and um, yeah, so if you're interested in that, again, if you go with them, the evangelism team, uh, you're you're, they're not going to throw you to the deep end of the pool. Uh, they're probably in the middle of the pool. You might kind of like tippy-toe and still survive. But, you know, they're, they're trained. They know how to, like, go and share the gospel with people. If you just want to go and watch and observe and learn, that's a great opportunity for that. So with that said, let me close our time in prayer. Father God, thank you for allowing us to just kind of go through an overview of evangelism and, in, and just different ways in which we can share the gospel with people. 
And I pray that you will give us opportunity, um, whether it's family, friends, or strangers, whoever it may be, Lord, that you would just open the door for us to go and be heralds, be faithful heralds of the gospel, Lord. May we tell people about Christ in hopes that the people will come to saving faith, knowing that this world is passing away and the people in this life is, is passing away as well. Give us the, the, the heart to have this urgent, um, just feel this urgency to go and win people to Christ. Thank you for this opportunity. In your son's name I pray. Amen. So I don't have any questions for discussion groups. So we, we'll give you, I'll give you guys 15 minutes to just kind of fellowship around the room. And then uh, I guess when the refreshments comes in around 930, um, we'll just dismiss from there. All right. Thank you, guys.